listeners, I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts, community leaders, and local stakeholders to raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about the Cobb Collaborative's focus areas. Today, we are delighted to welcome Carl Crumley and Nicholas Adams with the Cobb County Fire and Emergency Services Program to our program. Mr. Crumley is the Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction, and Nick Adams serves as the EMS Division Chief. They are, without a doubt, dedicated professionals serving our community, bringing years of experience to their roles. So, gentlemen, welcome to Mind Your Mind Speaks, and I'm going to let you flip a coin and decide who's (laughs) going to introduce themselves first. If you could share a little bit about your professional background and then anything else that you would like to add. Carl, you have a rank on me, so go on. Oh, okay. I'll go first. (laughs) So, uh, like the introduction, uh, I am Carl Crummy. I'm Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction. So, a little bit about Community Risk Reduction. We're we're the fire marshal's office, fire investigations, um, our safety village uh, education staff, and our public information officers. Uh, this is my 24th going on, uh, nearing my 25th year uh, within the fire service. Uh, you know, I, I have my formal education, I have a bachelor's degree in fire management. I'm working on my uh, master's degree at the moment. And uh, boy, that is extremely tough while in the middle of your profession. Um, I am sure. Yeah, I'm pecking away with that. Um, you, you know, I, I spent the majority of my time in the response division and fire stations and came up through the ranks uh, to battalion chief. And then I came into the office um, as, as Nick's current role and then moved over to my role now. And, uh, you know, I, I've been very lucky to see all sides of the fire service. You know, most people think of the fire department as the fire stations and people yes. calls. Um, but, you know, uh, our ability to prevent things from occurring and educate people. Um, You know, I've been very involved in that in the last few years. And, uh, you know, it's really given me a full picture of what we do within the fire service. And I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's been a a blessing for me uh, stepping into this role. But uh, I'll cut it at that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I think your enthusiasm for your role comes through in, in your voice, and um, thank you so much for sharing. I presume, are you a resident of Cobb? Do you live in the community or just I do. adjacent? I do, I, and Nick and I are, well, we're, we're the only two up here that actually do. I live in yeah. West Cobb, okay. uh, and uh, my wife is actually an assistant principal at Vaughn. Okay. And, uh, we live right around the corner from Vaughn, so um, in the, the West Cobb area. So mm-hmm. yeah, long-time resident, uh, about 17, 18 years I've lived within the county, but I, I grew up in Douglas County, so very, very close by. But uh, when we decided our careers would be here, we wanted to be part of the community, and that's why we moved in. Ah, well, we are certainly the beneficiaries of that, so thank you so much. And Nick, can you share a little bit about your professional background and experience? Sure, absolutely. So I am the division chief of EMS, which means anything medical related to the fire department. So anytime we treat people who are sick or injured or involved in a car wreck, all that medical stuff kind of goes through my division. Um, I also started with the fire department just as as a firefighter back in 1998. 
I like to tell people I had a EMT license and a high school diploma, and that's all I had. And I just kind of worked up the ranks throughout the years since 98, um, moving towards uh, driver and then lieutenant. And as I was going, like Carl, I went and got my professional education, got a um, bachelor's of emergency management and a ma master's in public administration. Um, but me and my wife have lived in Cobb County since 2001. Like Carl was saying, he and I are probably the only two from the command staff that live in Cobb County, but we're happy to call Cobb home. Uh, we live down off of Powder Springs Road, close towards um, East West Connector. My wife is also, a, she's a science teacher at Walker School in Marietta. And uh, my kids, both uh, my two boys, 13 and 11, they attend there as well. Well, a lot of um, parallel tracks between the two of you, <laughs> married to educators. <laughs> there seems That's to be great. a trend, actually. Public safety <laughs> and educators, we go along very well. Well, you certainly are in the helping profession, so yeah. probably makes for very lively dinner conversation, but hopefully not too stressful. I'm going to imagine that all four of you adults carry, I mean, you witness um, sometimes not so great things. And so Absolutely. I hope you have a plan to manage the secondary stress um, that can come along with your very demanding roles. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, important in public safety for sure. Yeah, definitely. So just to orient our listeners, gentlemen, we have um, Cobb County Fire Department, which is um, a separate agency from Cobb County Police, which is completely different from Cobb County Sheriff's. And fire and police, you report up to our a public safety. Our uh, recently retired um, public safety director. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they're still in the process of uh, hiring a replacement. And our current fire chief is the interim public safety director in that position. So we're uh, we're rotating acting fire chief roles up here uh, in his absence while he's filling that role. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you. Um, so both of you touched a little bit on what you're responsible for, what falls under you, but I'm going to guess that there's a lot that goes on in your divisions uh, and that you're responsible for, that it's probably hard to capture, first of all, in one conversation. But just to remind all of us, can you give us a uh, maybe just a little bit deeper dive into your major areas of responsibility? And Carl, we can start with you if you'd like. You mentioned the safety village and, and prevention, and we, we always know that prevention in many realms is less expensive than uh, restoration and recuperation, correct? Yeah, you know, uh, and that brings up an interesting point. You know, we are at a point in time where everyone desires to be data-driven, and I think that's a, a good thing. Um, but that, that's a big part of what I do is ensuring that uh, we're all working on the same sheet of music, if you will. So uh, what we've done is we, we did a community risk assessment within the, the community. Um, and we've identified the, the most important risks that we could impact. Um, and, and I focus on those within all the divisions that I'm responsible. Um, and, you know, uh, the fire marshal's office, would, a perfect example would be, um, you know, we're not able, we, we, we go out and we inspect all new construction and provide COs or certificate of occupancies for those along with the building department. We ensure that they're code compliant once they're built, but we're not able to 
make it back out to every business annually to make sure that they remain code compliant. So we're coming up with a process of identifying the highest risk areas so that we can go out there and visit those more regularly um, to, to make the biggest impact in the community. So that's, that's part of our community risk assessment, okay. you know, and on the education side as well. Um, you know, we've identified that our aging population and the lack of services is uh, something that we need to improve. So teaming with senior services um, and, and getting out and educating our seniors on best practices and ways to avoid uh, fall injuries and things of that nature is something that we focus on as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's some of the examples of the things that we do that people probably don't recognize. Um, but we're, we're working very hard to make sure that we're looking at our community and what our risks are and then trying to impact those risks uh, and not just making assumptions because it's a problem across the nation. We want to know what the problems are for Cobb County. Right here. Well, that makes so much sense. And, you know, when you think about um, aging structures, maybe um, building materials, I'm sure that you have a whole ranking system as to how. Uh, to rate the risk of 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 those things, right? Absolutely, yeah. So a, a business that may have certain types of materials that would be flammable or hazardous mm. to the community, mm -hmm. we would uh, visit them more often. The state actually sets up parameters for businesses that we do have to inspect annually, um, and, and we do those, and we have enough staff to do additional existing structures outside of that. Um, and, and so we do, and that's that's part of that criteria is we, we've identified businesses we will go see every other year and then every third year. And there will be some that we don't see, but they're very low priority in our ranking system uh, because we can only do so much and we don't have enough folks to visit everything on an annual basis. Okay. So I'm kind of laughing because, um, you know, as I think about community meetings that I attend and things like that, you know, the old joke of, well, we can only have this many people because otherwise the fire marshal will come and shut you down. That's you. That's you, Carl. <laughs> it is. And and, and I, I completely get it now, right? Like uh, yes. I've been a community member for so long and now having to enforce some standards, it really is from our heart, uh, one of just wanting to protect people because every code or every regulation that we have that we we ask the community to follow really comes from a place of an event that likely occurred that where people lost their lives. And uh, so while maybe uh, bothersome at times, mm -hmm. it's really the intent behind it is it has no malice whatsoever. It's right. People. You're truly there to um, protect people and um, have them live the kind of life that they desire and, and deserve to live. And Nick, I'm going to guess that you probably wrestle with a lot of things around um, people calling your department maybe for <laughs> things that could be addressed in a less um, dr dramatic, if that's the right word, um, effort. And so you probably do a large amount of community education as well. Yeah. You know, back in the 1980s and the 1990s, when 911 first became a thing, we told everybody to call 911 but we didn't tell them why or when. And yeah. Yeah. About, we would say probably about 40% of our calls to 911 aren't really what we would consider to be true emergencies. So that's something we're trying to tackle now is getting out to the public and, and kind of 
educating in them, them on what a, what is an emergency and what is what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have um, developed a special team now. We have a team called our CARES team, which are community paramedics that go out to the field and address some of those people who have additional needs. Uh, people who are calling 911 all the time, they will go out there and make contact with those individuals and find out what might be a better resource for them mm. so that they don't rely on the emergency system for for care, for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't overstrain that one uh, vertical of resources because then that can leave you exposed to not perhaps be able to as quickly respond to something else that is a true emergency. Absolutely. Let me ask you, Nick, with the introduction of the 988 number earlier in 2022, has that, what has that done to um, your folks, your team? Has it, I, I assume it's helped. I've heard nothing but great reviews about the response of, since yeah. the introduction of the 988 suicide Works. hotline. We're excited about it. We think that's a good resource for people, you know, to sometimes to call 911 for mental and behavioral health issues wasn't really the appropriate response because at mm-hmm. the time they were either going to get a police officer or a fire truck or an ambulance. And the police officer was trained to take you to jail. The ambulance was trained to take you to the emergency room and fire truck, we're going to spray you with water. Just kidding. <laughs> but in honesty, none of those things were really the most appropriate thing for, for those suffering from behavioral health emergencies. So having 988 and having crisis response teams is fantastic. Uh, we've developed a couple of crisis response teams here in Cobb to be able to provide care to our citizens better and quicker as well. Um, and so we're looking forward to it. Fortunately, we don't quite yet have the data available to us. It's it's still too new to really see if it's making an impact mm-hmm. and taking some, some load off the 911 system. We were fortunate to honor one of those response teams, actually both of the response teams at our annual luncheon um, yes. back in December, where we, um, in partnership with uh, Highland Rivers, uh, recognized yep. the outstanding work um, that those teams are doing and got to recognize um, most of most of the, the folks there um, on the team, on the two response teams. So hats off, um, you know, because I think I, I'm sure you all see the same data that um, I do. A large majority, and Nick, you mentioned this, of, well, maybe not a majority, but a larger percentage than the average resident would think um, of emergency calls are a mental health or a substance abuse issue, right? Absolutely. And right now, we just continue to see those numbers trending up. Uh, mm. So we have to find solutions to deal with it. And our crisis response teams are one of those that where you mentioned we're working with Highland Rivers to get um, clinicians, mental health clinicians at your front door when you need it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Carl, you mentioned the community risk assessment that your department was um, involved in. Is that something, was that new for Cobb County? Is that something you do periodically? And just because of technology and things like that, it it gets updated or revised, or can you just tell us about that process? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Um, so the community risk assessment is sort of something new. Um, you know, the fire service uh, came out with a new standard in FPA 1300 a few years back, and the fire service as a whole is recognizing that, uh, you know, as our call volume increases, People are calling 911 for reasons that aren't necessarily what the fire department was developed for. 
but the one thing about the fire service is we've done a really good job of adapting. Uh, you know, we, you know, in the 80s, we picked up uh, running emergency medical calls. And, you know, now we have EMTs and paramedics. And, you know, we, we continue to adapt to the needs of the community. Um, so the, the community risk reduction uh, as a whole and community risk assessment is really a tool to identify what uh, are your challenges or risk within your community and then what can the fire service and the other resources out there in the community do to impact those. Um, which is probably a more efficient way of dealing with our challenges than, say, adding fire stations. Because, mm. you know, for us, uh, in the last 10 years, we've added two or three fire stations, but our call volume has increased by nearly 40%. Um, that, that they're not averaging out, right? And I don't think the taxpayers would really want a fire station on every corner to try to impact that. So uh, the, the standard came out, and the community risk assessment is part of that standard. And it is basically taking census data and all the other data, and, and we look particularly internal to our organization and the run reports that we complete when we go out, and we look at trends and identify risks based on our data. And we, we even in, took some of uh, Cobb Senior Services and where Wellstar would agree and, and share some information with us, looked at some of their information, compared them, and then within a document and we're an accredited agency with the center for public safety excellency or some people call it SIPSI. um we have a document that's required it's called our standard of cover and that standard of cover serves as our community risk assessment and we we plan on posting that for the community and we just recently the, uh went through an accreditation process and re-accredited uh for the third time um, and that document be available to the community but what it does is it looks at the community as a whole um, it talks about the demographics of the community you know uh, and then we look at what are our risks and things that are identified would be we do know that uh, as a house ages it becomes more likely to catch on fire mm -hmm. uh, and with that uh, you know smoke alarms and and code changes and everything else you know, we may not have working smoke alarms in those houses. They're not interconnected like they were required to do based on code changes, um, you know, in the, the 90s. And so there's more risk in these older homes. So when we go out and do smoke alarm installations, we, we target the older homes first, um, as opposed to a newer home, which would have some of these newer standards and they're not um, aged and they still work appropriately, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's kind of the idea of the community risk assessment. We look at our calls that we run, the average age of the individual we run, what type of injury they're receiving, and then we sit back uh, with, with all of our stakeholders in the community and we say, what can we do to impact this? And I know that particularly we've had a lot of discussions with senior services about that, uh, offering programs like Matter of Balance and home safety surveys to prevent falls. And um, so that that's that's where it comes from. It comes from a National Fire Protection Association standard. Um, and then we developed a community risk plan. And so every five years we do a risk assessment. And then annually uh, we, we look at our data and to see if the things that we identified we want to do to impact those risks, um, we see if we need to make changes to that. So our, our risk reduction plan, if you will, lasts for five years, but we review it on an annual basis. 
and then we'll do a complete risk assessment again every five years. And luckily for us, it falls in line with our uh, standard of cover, which is a requirement of accreditation. And I know a lot of that's very specific and institutional knowledge type stuff, but that's I okay. try my best to explain. <laughs> Well, and you said that it would soon, I guess the most recent version would soon be made available to the public. So does this sort of thing normally rest on the Cobb County Fire Department website or Cobb County government as a whole? Could people just search there? Yeah, so uh, the Cobb County website, the way it's designed now, um, you could go directly to our webpage if you were to Google search Cobb County Fire Emergency Services, or if you started on the county page and then went to public safety and fire it would take you there and it will be rest on our website uh, once we're ready to, to absolutely publish it and, and make it available to our community. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and it's funny, um, acronyms are as much a part of your world as they are just about every other sector, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Um, question for both of you, and we didn't really talk about this before we started our conversation. How do you, I mean, Cobb has six municipalities, uh, soon to be seven, or I guess Mableton is now already a city. Not all of them provide fire services. Um, how do your departments work with municipalities? Are there interagency agreements? And But Nick, I'm going to start with you, if that's okay. I'm going to guess county EMS um, covers, does cover the entire county? Uh, so the fire department covers, um, uh, fire EMS covers. Um, is together. Is, okay. Well, we, we actually depend on our uh, zone ambulance providers, our private transport providers to actually move people from the emergency scene to the hospital. So that's okay. Okay. You probably see the trucks very frequently on the streets. That's Metro Atlanta ambulance service, which is kind yes. of on the North and East side of Cobb County mm -hmm. down on the South side is Puckett, uh, Puckett. EMS. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they're our ambulance providers and, and help us with treatment and transport patients to the hospital. Okay. Uh, then, then Cobb fires EMS division. We handle all of unincorporated Cobb County, including the city of Kennesaw, the city of Ackworth, uh, the city of Powder Springs. Okay. Austell has its own fire department. Mar mm -hmm. Marietta has their own fire department and Smyrna has theirs. But we do work very closely, especially with Marietta where we're on a same dispatch channel. But we work very closely with Smyrna and Austell to make sure that, you know, care is seamless across the county. I see. Okay. Okay. Carl, anything to add to that that our listeners could benefit from knowing? Yeah, so the, the state of Georgia has uh, a, that's a house bill they passed uh, several years ago that they're required to be a service delivery um, agreement between cities and counties. And, and like uh, Chief Adams had mentioned, you know, we, we do provide services to several of the cities, you know, fire, EMS, uh, and our fire marshal's office activities and so forth. So uh, we're actually coming up, and I think because of the city of Mableton becoming a thing. Uh, I, I believe 2024 is when that next service agreement would have to be met. So the county and the cities would have to come together uh, and 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 go over that service delivery contract and uh, formalize those agreements. In our archives, we actually have the original intergovernmental agreements between the cities and the Cobb County Fire Department in 1971 when uh, all of the fire districts became uh, the county fire department 
and we entered intergovernmental agreements with the cities that we still provide um, fire and EMS and fire marshal's office stuff too. So it's a uh, it's very interesting looking back at the history of the fire service within Cobb County and how we got to where we are now. Uh, but it's changed a little bit instead of direct intergovernmental agreements. Now the state of Georgia requires that service delivery contract between the two. And uh, I hear it's very political. I don't know. <laughs> I can only <laughs> imagine. Terrific. What's something that would surprise uh, residents about fire and emergency services? Let me actually jump on that first. And okay. kind of one of the things we talked about was, um, you know, the term fire department and firefighter is kind of a misnomer. While we still fight fire and we're still a mm-hmm. fire department, mm-hmm. our scope of what we've done, like uh, Chief Kremlin kind of touched on earlier, has grown over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost, well, every sworn firefighter in Cobb County, including in the cities, is trained at least the emergency medical technician level. So they're at least an okay. EMT. And then a lot of our firefighters are trained all the way to the paramedic level. And we have the capability now to bring almost the entire emergency room into your living room uh, on their truck, both the training that our firefighters and paramedics receive and also the equipment. We have, you know, cardiac monitors, uh, medications, um, pain medications that can assist with, you know, someone who's been involved in a motor vehicle accident. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. But Really, we have the only thing we don't have is an X-ray machine and a CT scanner. Okay. Everything wow. else we are bringing to your front door, your living room, your motor vehicle accident, um, to help you know you during your time of need. That um, you know, I'd like to think of myself as an engaged resident, but that I I really had not processed and thought about that. Yeah. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Chief Crumley, anything to add? Anything that would surprise the average resident? I'll put that in air quotes <laughs> of yeah. our community. Yeah, I'll talk first a little bit about the safety village. And, uh, you know, I don't think people realize the impact and what we do at the Cobb County Safety Village. And for anyone that's never been there, I, I invite them to come down and, and visit and see what we do for our community. But we we educated over 28,000 kindergarten, second graders, and fourth grade students um, last year. And that includes all of Cobb County and Marietta City Schools. Um, We brought them COVID. We did some virtual stuff, but we're back to all in person um, going through the safety village and learning those fire and life safety education uh, messages. And it includes everything from not just fire safety, like you would typically think of, but we do dog bike safety, we do water safety, we do helmets, we pedestrian crossing. I mean, really all of the things that we've identified in the community to be important. And then what we can fit in into a time frame of an entire day, uh, we cover down there. Uh, We have a UL Explorer Lab. It's over 1,500 eighth graders that we have spent time with uh, teaching fire safety message, but ultimately talking about um, fire investigations and the forensics of fire and what we've learned when it comes to fire science over the last 10 years, because uh, Chief Adams would tell you uh, our fires have changed uh, because our fuel sources have changed. Now that the interior of homes are made of synthetic materials and plastics and uh, fires are more dangerous than they've ever been and you have less time to exit a, a home because of that. 
Um, you know, a, a term we use is called flashover, and that's when uh, a room reaches a temperature where everything inside of it catches on fire. Wow. Uh, it, it's not survivable. Even for firefighters in their gear, we only have a few seconds in an environment like that. We've reached that within two to three minutes now where when even I was a kid and, and things were made more of natural products, you had mm -hmm. as much as 30 minutes before it reached that within a room. You know, cotton, natural fiber material, mm -hmm. you know, majority of things. So uh, while we have a lot more codes and things in place, sprinkler systems and things of that nature, our fires become much more dangerous as we look for cheaper ways to build and make things. Those things are actually more dangerous when it comes to a fuel load, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talk to the students about things like that. Uh, we've had 3,500 family members attend things like Family Fun Day, Safety Day, Camp Puzzle, which is a, 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 a program we put on for our autistic community that's on the spectrum where we bring them into the safety village and we teach uh, safety messages. Um, and then, you know, we, we've installed uh, nearly 500 smoke alarms and replaced thousands of smoke alarm batteries in the community. And we, we desire to do more, but we only have so many people, right? Um, so we're out there doing that. And, and on the fire marshal's office side, uh, you know, I'd like to brag on them a little bit. We've we had over 100,000 events, if you will. So that's that's everything from a plan review of a new building mm -hmm. um, and the approval process of that to going out and inspecting it or an existing inspection or a complaint. I mean, we we have a staff of about 34, 35, and uh, they really work intently in the community to to provide a lot of service for the number of people that we have. Um, very proud of the, all of those events that, that we were able to knock out. Uh, and on the fire investigation side, um, yeah, they investigated 100, about 150 fires last year. We had about 26 of those that ended up being incendiary. And uh, we actually caught a serial arsonist last year. Wow. Uh, and uh, we, we have a 100% conviction rate. So those uh, people that we have identified as arsonists and they have been um, incarcerated and charged with that ultimately were convicted. Uh, and so I'm just so proud of what those folks have done in the community to ensure that we're safe as well. Um, so as, those are my yeah, yeah, no, as well you should be. And as you were talking, um, Chief Crumley, I yeah, that really resonated with me about like the um, the contents and interiors of our homes. Um, I mean, it's impossible to escape plastic, right? You buy something in plastic and then you store it in a different plastic container or plastic bag in your house. And it's just, it's everywhere. And um, I can totally understand that. And, um, but yet it's only today as we have this conversation that I consciously thought of that. So um, that's why if I can, uh, Things like clothes before you doze is so important. So just the and anyone that has a, a newer home and most of the homes have hollow core doors, which they, they almost feel like they're made of cardboard and they actually mm -hmm. have in the interior of those. But we found through United uh, from the Underwriters Laboratory and studies that they've done, those doors provide a lot of protection and you can see multiple fires and, and information online to where just closing that door at night um, can provide you a lot of extra time to be alerted and to exit a house uh, safely. So close before you doze is extremely important. 
and then having working smoke alarms uh, is equally important. And, and now the Fire, National Fire Protection Association recommends that every area that you sleep in have its own smoke alarm, that they be interconnected. Uh, and, you know, that's that's fairly recent. Even my yeah. house was built in 93 and there's just a smoke alarm on every floor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's better than nothing. But right. you can see now if you sleep with your door closed and, um, you know, every sleeping area, you need to be notified so quickly that you want to be close to a smoke alarm and you want when one goes off, all of them go off, off so that you right. have more time to exit and get out. That makes so much sense. It really does. Um, and as the um, proud parent of two children who matriculated through Cobb County Public Schools, um, thank you. I distinctly remember those days when the um, the field trip to the safety village and the booklet would come home and we had to make our plan and all of that because it was it was homework, right? It was expected. And my son, who I'm so proud, is an Eagle Scout for one of his badges. We had to have a whole uh, family safety plan and we mapped all that out. And it's actually, it's a really good thing and a really smart thing um, that every family should do. So gentlemen, as our time together draws to a close, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to share? I just want to talk about one more quick initiative that we're actually partnering partnering with um, Chief Kremley in the Safety Village. Um, one of the things we want people to know is how to do hands-only CPR. Uh, we found that, you know, we have over 500 cases of sudden cardiac arrest in Cobb County every year. And the people who are surviving are the ones who get CPR from their, either their loved ones or bystanders or coworkers. So we are offering CPR classes at the Safety Village um, as often as we can. And if people are interested in that, they can see more on CobFire.org. All right. Well, we will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, Chief Adams. And I think, you know, after what happened with uh, Damara Hamlin, mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills player, that has really um, h- highlighted or, you know, drawn attention to the need for everybody to be in a position to be able to react and, and hopefully save a life, right? Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And Chief Crumley, anything to um, add that we didn't have a chance to talk about already? No, I can't think of anything right offhand, but, uh, you know, it has, we really appreciate the opportunity to sit down with you and just kind of tell you and the community what we're doing and what some of our challenges are. Um, You know, I think it really is a community issue. All the things we have going on, it really takes a community to impact. And uh, I know that Chief Adams and I are looking for ways to get people involved that have a heart for these things. And and hopefully if, if there are opportunities to volunteer or be a part of these things and the community sees it, uh, that they would jump in and, and be a part and do their part to help us you know, make it a safer cob. Because uh, uh, we, we truly do love this community and, and what we're doing. It's, it's, uh, it's our passion for sure. Oh, I think that there are definitely people that would want to look for ways to to be involved. Should they go to their local fire department or are you still working through what that looks like? So we, we have some opportunities and we, we actually have some volunteers at the Safety Village now, which is very new to the fire department. Okay. Like Cobb Senior Services, they, they rely on 
volunteers very heavily. The build yes. program, yes, so forth is is all volunteer. Um, we're we're still in the very early stages of developing that. Okay. But in the future, we would make those opportunities available on our website to volunteer. Um, but very new to us, but we, we see the benefit in getting the community involved to spread our message for sure. Absolutely. Well, you can rest assured that we will broadcast those opportunities as we see them become available. And then maybe we can have you both out uh, to one of our general membership meetings in the future and connect in person with um, other folks who are serving children and families in Cobb County. Absolutely. I would love that. Great. Well, gentlemen, both of you, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to, to learn more um, about the Fire and Emergency Management Services Division of Cobb County. I I love it, the fact that I've lived here since 91, and I'm still learning and appreciating all that our community does for its residents. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind podcast. Also, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Please tune in next time as we continue to empower and engage our community through conversations about important and critical issues. Until next time then, stay well. And remember, there is no health without mental health.